Welcome to another episode of the SEM podcast. I am Zach Hewlett. We got Jack Bryce. And with us today, we've got Charlie Alger, who's joining us. And we're super excited to have you, Charlie. How are you, man? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. This is fun. Nice way to reminisce a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of set the table, and uh, we've done this with with you in advance, but for those listening, we're going to talk first and foremost about how you learned that you were going to Scotland and your preparation or any um, fun thoughts in regards to when you received your call. Then we're going to skip the mission, go to uh, post-mission life up to now and kind of run through what you've been doing. And then we'll go back through Scotland uh, in as deep of notion as you like. So Charlie, the floor is yours, man. So, um, let's see, it is November of 2001, graduated high school in 2001, actually grew up in Aurora, so Colorado boy as well. Um, so I knew I was wanted to serve a mission and when I graduated high school, I had nothing saved up. So I had no idea how I was going to pay for my mission and my mom met a guy who worked at Costco, was a manager there, got me a job at Costco. And the only reason I bring it up is because I was able to save for the majority of my mission over eight months of working at Costco. It was pretty awesome. So I got my papers turned in in um, September of 01. Kind of a funny story. I'm sleeping and it's like eight o'clock in the morning. I didn't have to be to work for an hour. And all of a sudden I hear my mom come like screaming in the house, Charlie, Charlie, get up, get up, get up. It's like, what's going on? It's like, I almost killed the mailman. It's like, what are you talking about? Well, the mailman pulled up right as she was leaving for work and my, it had, he had my call. Yeah. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So sit at my table. I'm like morning haze. My hair's like everywhere. I got a picture of it. It was pretty awesome. I wish I could find it. And I opened my call and, Edinburgh, what? Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> the, the line from the arm comes to, where's a map? <laughs> yeah. So I looked it up and that's how I received my call. It was pretty awesome. My mom almost killed the mailman driving out of the driveway. <laughs> and I ended up waiting four and a half months before I actually left in April of 02, April 3rd. Okay. Nice. So it was pretty, it was pretty cool. It was a long wait, though, but it was fun. So you said April of '02. Yep. Okay, so I left. Nice. I left April. I think it was April first or second, and then got to Preston on April, the morning of April third. So I left the second. Really, okay. drove into Preston on April second, and yeah. So, nice. Okay. Yeah, so we oh, were cool. we were talking before you joined Zach. So we. We overlapped just six weeks. Oh, yeah, wow. so I went okay. home transfer after you guys got after uh, Jack got there. So April of four, yeah. But uh, cool. Yeah. Well, so yeah, from there, you know, obviously Scotland. We can come back and talk about MTC and everything. But uh, since you've been back from your mission, catch us up on life. So 
when I got home, I actually, my dad came, my dad and my stepmom who live in Arizona came out and picked me up and we traveled around for 10 days, went to London for the last three and ruined the trip because London sucks. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was miserable in London. I, I hated it. I mean, it was just too crowded or something, but um, anyway, I had every intention of moving to Arizona, trying to get on a, one of the community college baseball teams down there see how far I could get. And uh, every time I tried to go, the spirit just said, you can't go. You got to stay here in Denver. And turns out I, I met my wife doing that kind of, I think Jack talked about that in the first episode, yeah. kind of how he met his wife. And we was in a, the singles ward in Flanders, the Flanders building. I don't know if you know where that's at. So when I got home, there were three singles yep. wards kind of scattered throughout the Denver area. And because they lost track of it, all the singles, they actually got permission to create uh, wards within each stake, wards or branches, singles. And so because I lived in Aurora, I went to the Aurora, uh, I can't remember where it was anyway, and my wife was in the Denver, but we had already met. And then that was in, so <laughs> she's two years older than me. And so we met like just before Memorial Day in 2004. And oh, wow. she wouldn't tell me how old she was forever because she was embarrassed <laughs> she was older than me. She was out in Denver on an internship from BYU in uh, rec management. And so we started dating. Um, we were actually at a barbecue for Memorial Day. And, uh, someone asked me when I got home. So I got home in April. And she goes, this year? <laughs> I didn't get her tone until she told me, but she was like shocked. That I was still only 21, but um, so then I started working a little bit. Of, I went back to Costco for a little bit, but then got into construction, uh, which I love and still do construction. I work for a general contractor here in Utah, but um, we actually broke up in November because she in September she moved back to Utah, and I can't do I couldn't do long distance, and so I broke up with her, and then. In January, she ended up moving back to Denver, and we got back together, engaged in February, and married in June of 05. So we just hit our 17-year mark. Um, That's awesome. Congratulations. That's a big accomplishment. Yeah, it's, I didn't ever think I'd make it that far, but we've done it. So, But uh, <laughs> I actually started school the month we got married. Uh, and then a year after we got married, we moved here to Utah so I could go to Slick, so like community college and actually started in civil engineering, uh, but flunked out of statics, which is a really hard math class. And I love math <laughs> and I, I, I love math. I got calculus. I did great, but for some reason I couldn't do it. And I, I attribute that to Heavenly Father saying, no, you can't do civil engineering because when I started thinking about my career path in Denver, I saw something for construction management and then being in construction, I thought that that'd be pretty cool. My grandpa's an engineer, all my uncles are engineers. So he was like, you need to be an engineer. I was like, you're okay, so I'll do it. So I ignored the prompting and end up going into engineering classes and failing miserably. I could not get it to save my life. And what's funny is that as soon as I switched to construction management in so that was 06. So in 08, I switched to construction management. 
you have to take a basic form of that stat, uh, st not, yeah, statics class, and I aced it just fine. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so um, I've lived, we've lived in Utah since 06. We, had our, we have four daughters. Uh, first one was born in 07. She's got her, she just got her permit this last week. Oh, scary. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not so looking we, forward to that. Oh, my gosh. It's so scary. I'm, like, sitting in the front seat just through the neighborhood, like, freaking out, like, white knuckling <laughs> the door. But we have four daughters, so 15, 12, uh, 9, almost should be 10 next week, and uh, 6. And like I said, I graduated from Weber State in 2011 in construction management, and I've been working in construction ever since. So, one Do of the you guys live, live in what part of Utah? Saratoga Springs, which is on the west side of Utah Lake, the northwest side. Yeah, one of the places. Yeah. Place is exploding. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. I was telling Jack earlier that we at one point I counted 70 homes under construction just in my neighborhood alone. A couple of years ago, it was insane. And is that construction projects that you're involved in or just what you've counted going around? Just the houses in my neighborhood that were being built. I wasn't involved in those. I, I did build my house that I'm sitting in now. So I got to build that, which was fun. That's but cool. We do. I, the company I work for is commercial construction. We actually do temples, hospitals. Like right now, our, we're involved in 15 temples internationally and locally. Wow. So yeah, we remodeled the Denver Temple a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, we're building Orem, remodeling the historic St. George, and a bunch of others throughout the world, which is pretty cool. So, that's, so you travel, you travel a lot for that then. Um, within the state, yeah, I I've been to Honduras. We're building the Honduras San Pedro Sula Temple, so I've been there, but I haven't been out anywhere else yet because of COVID, basically. So. COVID screwed me over that way. <laughs> That's pretty neat to be involved, though. In yeah, case. it's pretty awesome. In 2012, I got to work on the Salt Lake Temple and a big shutdown. And we basically remodeled everything. So I've been in every room but one of the Salt Lake Temple, which has been pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah, not everybody can say that. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty. I, I, I really love construction. I love my ultimate goal is to because right now I do all the scheduling for my company. So I'm not directly involved in every, in a specific project, just a little bit here and there in every project, but I really want to manage and be a superintendent on a temple from finish to start. And I think I'll have that opportunity next year with Provo when we tear that one down. Mm, so, interesting. Yeah. It's real. I yeah. I love temples. They're fun. Yeah. You, you know I'm inside and out. That's that's really cool. All right. So take us back. If you want to start in the MTC, by all means. But, uh, you know, take us back through your experience in Scotland where you served, companions. And if you have stories along the way, we, we're just flies on the wall. We want to hear. Yeah. yeah we so actually, what's we, haven't that? Talked, we haven't talked to anybody who started under the Wilkinsons. So, yeah, yeah. You're, the, you're the first one. President Wilkinson's amazing. I still every time I go to St. George, I actually go see and talk to him, go to his house and say hi. And yeah, but uh, 
Yeah, so when I got there, I started with uh, Dave Munson. He's from Escalante. Um, he was an amazing, he still is. He's, he's, he's a cool dude. He, he really taught me a lot, kind of pushed me to be better. Uh, I, I don't think I could have asked for a better trainer than Dave Munson. Um, I started in Canvas Lane, which is the south side of Glasgow, Rutherglen, Motherwell District. Uh, we were in the district with East Kilbride. I don't know if you guys know, but there's a butcher there, McNally, Steve McNally, and he had missionaries all the time. So he'd weigh us before dinner and after dinner to see how much weight we gained. And I think the record was um, like seven pounds or something like that Whoa. in one sitting. And that's because he like the guy chugged like a half gallon of water to fill his stomach after he ate. So, oh that was amazing food. So we every once in a while we'd go over there with the East Coast Bride missionaries and and go over there. That was a lot of fun. That's awesome. So I was there for six months and then went to Perth. And I was there for four and a half months. Um, I actually had a a, a transfer. So one of the mission, <laughs> I had a, one of my companions got arrested <laughs> in oh, in man. Perth one night. I won't go into the details, but uh, knocking chap at the door at one thirty in the morning. It's the police. Um, we're going to arrest you. I was like, what? So I hopped into the car, went over to the police station to see if I could be with them, and they wouldn't let me. So I had to go home, and I called President Wilkes, and I was in the flat all day by myself. It was absolutely miserable. But, uh, oh, man. yeah, it was it was not fun. And then um, my companion that got e-transferred in, him and I did not get along at all. In fact, he would he tried to tackle me one day after prayers to leave. And then I just pushed him in, into the wall and flipped him off and ran away. <laughs> yeah, it was, and he'd ask me all these stupid what-if questions. And I was like, who cares, dude? And he trained one of my buddies from – I don't know if you ever met McKay Miller. He was in my group. He, he said, uh, what was his all, his automatic response was get naked and go to sleep or something like that. Just all these stupid, what if questions, <laughs> <laughs> just something so inappropriate that would just shock him. It was hilarious. So I started oh, doing that. I shouldn't know. But <laughs> just, like we're, what if your girlfriend didn't wait for you? Oh, well, right? Yeah. So I spent four and a half months there, and then I went to uh, Elgin, just in Inverness. And then I was there for six months, which was awesome. We had this lady there that we baptized in one of the rivers just up in the woods, which was pretty cool. Jane um, got a call about three years later, so it was '07. She died of a brain aneurysm in Tesco's. Like she oh just Tesco's. It's pretty sad. I actually still keep in touch with her sons. But uh that's pretty sad. That was a fun area. We actually rented bikes one day just to ride around town just to have fun. It was good times. And then from El there Elgin's Elgin's a really pretty place. I remember being in that area as a zone leader. I thought it was an awesome, awesome area. Elgin was amazing. The ward wasn't 
that great. They kind of just shunned us and ignored us a little bit. But some of the members were pretty cool. Yeah. And then from there, I went to Strenrar down in the southwest corner, the boot, I like to call yeah. it. And then ended in Edinburgh for the last six months, four and a half months. Yeah. I had a companion elder summer from South Africa. You remember, I don't know if you ever heard the story about this missionary that got beat up really bad in Paisley over a phone. Yeah. It I was think my, we did. So that wasn't, let's see, like July of 03, it would have happened, July or August of 03. Um, they went after, right after we got cell phones, um, they tried to rip them off and they poured curry all over them, just beat the snot out of them. I felt really bad for them. And that would have been, that would have been right when President Drains started, right? So yeah, yep. <laughs> did you have a conversation with President Drains in regards to that? Because I remember President Drains mentioning that, like just for the sake of safety, at one point. Yeah, he said, "Don't be playing on your phones out in public, especially if you're in some of the riskier areas of Glasgow or Edinburgh." But yeah, just keep your phones away. Don't be out unless you need them. Just yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then Edinburgh was a blast. We actually got – we were in a threesome for six weeks because one of the missionaries decided he wanted to go home, and so we got his companion for six weeks. That's fun. You remember Elder Rittman? Did you ever know Elder I Rittman? I know the name. I don't remember him, though. Yeah, he came down to Edinburgh for six weeks, eight weeks, or something like that. Just the three of us had fun for six weeks. It was a lot of fun. But uh, let's see. Those are the areas I served in. Um, like I said, Dave Munson, my trainer, was amazing. Um, I really got along with most of my companions, except probably my companion in Perth. I mean, we kind of got along once I got used to his personality, but it was still pretty rough. Like we, uh, his first Sunday there, so he'd been there like 24 hours. We went to missionary correlation with the branch mission leader and I gave him the update where we were at and we get in the car and all of a sudden he just unloads on me. It's like, I'm the senior companion. You need to listen to me. It's my job to tell him what's going on. I said, you didn't know anything that was going on. You just got here. Well, it doesn't matter. And me being the smart A that I am, I flipped him off and drove to church and I, and we in our in our flat we had I think we had twelve foot ceilings and we had window wells that were eighteen inches deep and like eight foot tall, seven feet tall. I could stand up in them because I'm six three. And so he went and took a nap after church and I went and sat in the window well, started reading my scriptures and just kind of pondering what was going on, trying to figure out how to get along with this guy. <laughs> and I had the curtains drawn and it gets up and he's like, Elder Alger? I didn't respond just to be a jerk. He actually ran outside to see if I, because he thought I left. <laughs> so I was like, I'm right here, dude. And then he sits on the couch and he starts apologizing and then, but this, but that. And I was like, that's not an apology, dude. You just ruined the whole thing. But we got along a little bit after that, but the annoying questions just did not end. It was really bad. Um, 
Yeah. So just a quick question. This is a missionary that had been in the mission longer than you. Is that why he presumed that he was the senior companion of, of sorts? Yeah, he'd been out six months longer than me. He was actually in the same group with other months in my, my trainer. They were in the same group together. And he thought, cause he, so I'd been out, let's see, that would have been, I'd been out six months, seven months. And uh, yeah, he thought he was, he knew everything. <laughs> I was like, you've been there two days. You don't know anything that's going on in the area. What do you expect? So. Maybe uh, he had a higher power that had revealed something to him. I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't get people like that. Like, if you don't know anything, why do you expect to come in and just start talking, right? Just He would have been just saying stuff that he had no idea. And I've been like, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong because I can't keep my mouth shut. So <laughs> that's funny. So, who are some of your other companions? So, let's see. Um, Elder Man, Patrick Man, he was originally from here. He was a lot older than I was. He was my second companion. Um, and let's see. Elder Erickson, Jonathan Erickson, he's from Rush Valley, Utah, over in the Twilla area. Um, let's see, other West, Ben West, he was, we were in the same group together. I got, I actually had two companions from the three companions from the same MTC group, which was really weird. That's interesting. Um, so other West is, <laughs> he would claim Australian, even though he grew up in England. And then anytime we talked about like the revolution, he'd be like, yeah, hey, we let you win. <laughs> <laughs> okay whatever dude but Sounds uh about right. yeah he would he was we got along but he was hard to get along with and then let's see elder summer elder nukem did you ever know luke nukem from australia i met him yeah. he was pretty cool he's pretty cool um and then monte annika we were in the same group together in Edinburgh and then other Ritman, we were all three of us. And then my last companion was from my same mission group or MTC group, elder Toby Gibbs. He actually stayed an extra six weeks in Edinburgh. He didn't come home with us. He stayed for some reason, but <laughs> again, here goes to my personality in the MTC. We were playing basketball at the church and we got into a little bit of an altercation. He slapped me trying to get the ball and didn't apologize. And so when I found out we were going to be companions, like, you got to be kidding me. I cannot stand this kid. I don't want to be, he played the bagpipes. He was, he was just a nerd. And <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I, I do not want my last six weeks to be with this guy. This is going to suck. And my companion, Montianica at the time said to me, one of the, most profound and most thought-provoking things I've ever heard in my life, and it's I've kind of carried it through the rest of my life, is your attitude is going to next depend on the next six weeks and the outcome of that. And I thought about that. I was like, hmm, you're right. And so I prayed hard to, to clear my attitude, and we actually had a really good six weeks. We talked about it. He didn't even remember it, of course. And I was like, I felt like a total idiot because I did. And I was like, yeah, oh, come on. 
So I felt like an idiot. I apologized. And we actually had a really good six weeks. In one week, we did a lot of street contacting in, on Princess Street. And we actually gave away 18 or 19 books of Mormon that day, that week. Just didn't, just because we wanted to try and see how many we could give away on the street. It was pretty awesome. So it turned out to be a good last six weeks. So. Yeah. Um, During that, you you told me, so being in Edinburgh, I guess you were part of that squad that welcomed the new missionaries and took them out their first day. You took Elder Parmenter out and cursed him. him to to Shetland, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I condemned him to Shetland, I think, because we I took him out tracting and like he's like, Where do I where do I not want to go? I was like, Yeah, you don't really want to go to Shetland. That's a long way away and it's a, I've heard it's a treacherous boat ride and that's where he ended up going. <laughs> and I remember being in the mission home and uh Elder Osmond got on the piano and started playing and singing and that was pretty awesome while we were waiting to go out. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, both those guys are on our list to get in, get on this show. So, I remember seeing them at uh, the Vreen's homecoming up in Salt Lake, and it was surprising. They actually remembered me. I was like, I, I, I talked to you guys like once on your first day in the mission, and I was like, oh, good for you. <laughs> so, let's see what else do you want to know. What did you see as far as um, – uh, a transition in the mission from the Wilkerson's to the Vrains when they came in, did you see a big difference or was it pretty much just status quo? Uh, I didn't see a lot of difference just cause I like to do my own thing. I'm pretty focused cause I've got ADD and so I'm pretty one track mind, just get my work done. Right. Yeah. But, uh, there was a big difference between President Wilkinson and Breen's in President Wilkinson was a very black and white letter of the law. And President Breen's was more of the spirit of the law, I thought, but he still expected a lot. I remember in my first interview with him up in uh, Aberdeen, he goes, oh, he goes, he says something, he goes, you better do it or I'm going to kick your fanny. And I said, uh, president, you can't say that here. He's like, what? And so I explained to him what that meant. He's like, oh, thanks for telling me. He's like, yeah, you got to be careful with that one when you're out in the public talking with the Scots because it doesn't mean the same thing in here as it does in America. So beware. He's like, is there any other big ones I need to know? Like, yeah, pants. Pants are underwear. They're called trousers. So... But uh, that makes me feel better because I'm I made that mistake and now I feel better to know that he preceded me, so that's good. Well, at least he did it with me instead of with the whole like ward of Scots and just yeah. completely yeah. embarrassed State, himself. State conference or something. Seriously, that oh man. <laughs> but um that was a good time. But that's a good story. I, think, I like that. I think I laughed more with President Breen's, especially in interviews. We had we laughed more. But with President Wilkinson, it was you could always feel no matter what you did, you had you you felt his love. 
whether he was reprimanding you or not. Because when I got my British license, I had all my lessons done in Perth. I had my test booked and they transferred me up to Stranraer and I forgot to cancel my test. So I called president. I said, um, my test is in Perth and I can't cancel it. Can I go? And he just lit into me like, how dare you? And you're going to interrupt the work for a day to go take a test in Perth. And so we had to jump on the two hour train ride down to Perth to go take my test. He was not happy about it. <laughs> oh man. That's an honest mistake. My gosh, you got a lot going on. I, yeah, I, I get, I forgetful. So I should have wrote it down. I was always kind of disappointed that I missed being under President Wilkinson because growing up, I watched Tyler Real Hero like every Sunday. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I was like, man, that could have been, could have been my mission president. Okay. Yeah, he actually hasn't, President Wilkinson actually has an elevator in his house for, for Tyler, which is pretty cool. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, Let's but see. I. I remember President Reigns, like, right when I got to the mission, he's, like, the introductory interview. He's like, I'm just a big marshmallow elder. And, and that's kind of the way it was. He, he did, uh, after I'd been out maybe about a year, he's, he got a little more strict because he had to send one elder home. But, yeah, he was, it was definitely more spirit of the law. Uh, yeah. President Reigns. Sister Reigns was an amazing cook. I missed her cooking when I left. What was the favorite meal that she she uh, made for you that you recall? Uh, it was the baked goods. It wasn't a meal. It was the baked goods she would bring to Zone Conference. I don't know if oh, she did okay. that for you guys, but early on she would bring like brownies and cookies. I don't. No, nope. I don't think she ever did that. When she she clearly clearly she faded us, faded out of that. She gave us like a a cooking demonstration as part of his own conference, like as a rotating session. Oh, yeah. And, uh, she had like all these expensive ingredients. She's like, you have to splurge a little to get this, but it's worth it. And I'm like, we live on three pounds a day. I'm buying, right. I'm buying dollar pizza from Tesco, not five dollar yeah. sour cream. So, one of my favorite things to do is go to Asda and get to create your own pizza. Did you ever oh, do that? I can't say I did. No. So, if you went back to the deli in Asda, you could go get. Uh, they create your own pizza, put whatever you want on it, and they'll make it for you. Man, how did I not know about that? Yeah, so, that should have been a mission secret that was shared amongst generations. Right. So I had a, so my second companion was hungry, and he drugged me to Asda on a Sunday, and he, <laughs> he got one. <laughs> he paid for it later because he put mushrooms on it, and he didn't let them cool, and he put it right into the fridge. And he ate it later, and he got food poisoning so bad. I was oh. like, that's what happens when you go to a store on Sunday. <laughs> I gave him such a hard time for it. Serves that's, you right. That's too funny. Oh, man. He, he would, he, he's a funny character. He, he would do some really weird things, and I was just like, what are you doing? Like, he had a pellet gun, one of those little BB, plastic PV pellet guns. We walk into the shower and he'd shoot me with it. I was like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> so one day he uh, he'd like to scantily clad walk to the bathroom on his way to the shower. And so one day I popped him right in the butt with a the bare butt with it. 
<laughs> you stopped doing it after that. <laughs> Gave him something to remember why you don't do that. That's funny. Yeah. Did you guys ever meet the calls from the elder, the older, the, what do they call them? The senior trainer? Are? No. So I don't, I don't remember them. They they got there. Let's see. We had to go to Edinburgh to pick them up. That would have been in like July or August of '03. And those two became like a mom and a dad to me while they were there. Because Sister Cole made the best pies ever. And that's no joke. Like her banana cream pie was the best. But I was struggling at that point. My mission halfway through just trying to really find myself. and Because I really went on a mission because that's what you're supposed to do. I went out. I can say I went out for the wrong reasons. But it was then when I was I mean, I found my way early, but I really found my way when they got there because they could see that I was struggling. And Sister Cole kind of took me under her wing and kind of beat some sense into me and just let me know that I could do better and I could always do better. And uh, she uh, she actually passed away from cancer a few years ago. And it was just heartbreaking to watch her just go downhill, but She's like a mom to me, her and Elder Cole. They were an amazing couple. And I could probably say that they're a big reason why I'm probably still in the church and have a, a strong testimony to the church right now. Wow. I mean, my wife plays a big role in that too, but they really jump-started it for sure. That's really That's cool. cool. So, what else? Uh, What else do you think of when you think of your mission what has had like lasting impact on you over the years um i think the biggest thing for me is it taught me how to do hard things that i can do things on my own that i really have to do things on my own if i want to get things done um because you're you're in an area you've got no supervision it's up to you to get out of bed to do your studies and to get out to go to work every day and you can you're you're the one that can make that decision um and because of that i'm able to get up and go to work every day um, provide for my family i was I i got my homework done in school um, I graduated high school with a 2.1 GPA. I sucked in school. I didn't care, but I graduated with a 3.0 from school. Nice. Really that's, a, that's a big. That's a big jump. Yeah. Good job. And I just just start and get it done. I mean, it's hard to start with like if you have ADD like I do. It's hard to get started on a task. So you just have to force yourself to go and. I think my mission played a big role in that, being able to just get up and do, right? What's that joke? What do you get when you cross Spencer Kimball and Jake Golden Kimball? Do it, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that one before, that's for sure. I think that's the biggest thing for me is it, it taught me just to not be afraid to open my mouth and say something. If I know something's not right, respectfully fix it right. Don't jump down someone's throat. So that's good. 
Yeah, I know uh, the mission changed my study habits because high school, I was in a tiny town and it was just super easy, actually. I didn't have to put any effort into it at all. Um, but on, on the mission, you have study time and I had to study. <laughs> I don't think I ever really had studied before then, um, seriously. And, and with a, a purpose, too, to actually learn something to teach somebody or to answer a question um so yeah those habits carrying in to education afterwards that's a pretty big deal yeah the right way to study right like for me when i was like in my business classes and some of the other classes i would write down the definitions and study the definitions and what was around it and because i wrote it down so if I don't write something down, I'll forget it out of sight, out of mind. But if I write it down, it stays in my memory easier. And so I started that on my mission, writing quotes down, writing scriptures down. That's how I memorized most of my scriptures was writing them instead of just trying to memorize them because I couldn't do it. So I had to write them down and eventually got to the point where I'd write the first letter. I actually learned this from one of my zone leaders. It was Elder uh, Summer. He, in Dunfermline, he would write the first letter of all the words in the verse and memorize it that way. And so I'd write the verse down a couple times and then do the first letter to remind myself. And that's how I was able to memorize my scriptures for all the stuff we had to memorize and pass off. So Yeah, memorization was a huge deal uh, during your time. It kind of faded out um, after I got there. Oh, yeah. So memorizing the discussions was a pain in the butt. It was hard. Harder than I expected because I, I have a better memory when it comes to numbers. Like, I can memorize a phone number like that. But memorizing words is so hard and phrases. So that's how I memorized those was the first letter of each word, writing verses down, writing. The, yeah, but then so it would have been probably midsummers right before President Wilkinson left in 03. Um, that's when the, we started the Teach by the Spirit. Because you guys probably had preached my gospel, didn't you? So it came out after I'd been out about nine months. But. Yeah, so in 03, we transitioned to Teaching by the Spirit. And we had a, we didn't have to memorize anything. It was more of the like prophets and just kind of what was going on. And we could tailor it to what ours and once we did that, it went a lot easier for sure. Yeah, that's interesting that you shared that because, you know, I've, I've asked that in a couple of previous conversations with missionaries that are older than myself. And um, I was actually part of the first group that they just taught us straight preach my gospel from day one in the Preston MTC. And so I really didn't have to partake in the memorization and you know I've heard people call it the purple dragon and different things like that so uh, but yeah it's it's interesting to hear your perspective you know because you're kind of a year in advance of jack and jack's a year in advance of me and how there it was almost like a, a trickle down effect of how that transition took place where you charlie are saying teach by the spirit learn those little factors and then jack has shared how that kind of phased itself out until 
the day that he decided I, I can't do this anymore. And, <laughs> you know, something, something then was, you know, given to them at their next zone conference is a perfect answer to that prayer. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see how that, how all it changed in a matter of a few years. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't a big quick transition, like, Hey, drop everything. And, but, uh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I, I wonder if our mission was kind of a guinea pig for the teach by the spirit. I don't know. Cause I don't know if they did it everywhere else. I, I have, I've never asked that question. I wonder if they used us as a guinea pig to see how well it would go if we got rid of the verbatim discussions. I never liked them anyway. I always paraphrased them to, cause to me, just citing it word for word wasn't personal. I, I always felt that it was forced at that point. Yeah. I mean, I did it cause that's what we were supposed to do, but, Eventually, I would just paraphrase it because then I could talk to the person rather than trying to say it because I had to, right? And I and I know the the spirit was a lot stronger that way with with some of the people, and we actually <laughs> we actually had a couple in Strenrar. They weren't married, um, and he was a ex football player. He actually grew up playing with the Celtic, playing in all their youth leagues. And uh, he hurt his knee and ended up not being able to play much longer. And we were sitting in their house one day, and they were like, dude, we we totally felt the spirit. And they compared it to being high on marijuana. And I was like, you weren't really high, were you? Like, no, it was amazing. It was like the best thing ever. And we were, like, so ready to get them. To com- they committed to baptism, but they wouldn't get married. And it just that yeah, oh, and it, like the the devil came in and just oh so frustrating. We had them; they felt the spirit. They knew what it was like, and and then the devil got in, and she ended up kissing some other dude, and ended up breaking up, and it was just a mess. But that was it. Oh. I saw a couple of instances. I remember in in the mission where you'd get people that were very involved in wards and they would recognize that people had felt the spirit, but you know, feeling the spirit is one aspect and then abiding by the principles of the gospel is a totally different ball game. And, you know, so that was really the hurdle that we all had to, (laughs) had to overcome with these people is, you know, great. We're glad that you're feeling the spirit. Now, here's the action after the fact, you know what I mean? That was really the key to what we did. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Cause once you, once you could tell they felt the spirit, you really had to, for lack of a word, babysit them to make sure mm-hmm. that they could stay on that path and keep the spirit with them until they either got baptized or they just said, go away. Hopefully that didn't happen, but we basically had to babysit them to make sure that we could keep them and keep them reading and, keep them praying to kind of push them down that road to baptism, not push them, but, you know, get them on the road. Keep them on that path. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was so frustrating. They would feel it. And then they let Satan come in and just distract him. And it's like, we're so close. Yeah. It was a, I guess that was a testimony builder to me is 
even you know you're in the first discussion and telling the story about joseph smith and uh, the first vision and always something would happen you know the, the spirit starts to come in and then the TV randomly turns on or the kid busts into the room with all his, like his whole football team or, uh, you know, <laughs> like Satan does everything he can to just derail that. So. Yeah. You could, yeah, you could see it in their eyes and their face. They get the shivers, they get the chills and they start straightening up and you can tell, and then uh, that distraction hits and it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. That's for sure. Yep. So, was there any any other like anything that uh, you recollect on with regards to Scotland and some of the things that you experienced there that really changed your outlook on life and like you talked about built your testimony for where you are today? Um, let's see. So this is a hard story to tell, so bear with me for a minute. Um, when I left on my mission, this, it, it's mostly embarrassing. It's not going to make, make me cry, I don't think, but it's just kind of embarrassing. There are some things that I didn't fully clear up with my bishop before I left. And I'm, there's missionaries do it all the time. They think they're okay. And so for the first two weeks, I was miserable. I didn't feel homesick, but it was, the spirit wasn't there. I would lash out at my companion because I was ornery. And I love President Wilkinson for this forever. And we drew a bond because of this. I got up one morning and I just broke down. I couldn't take it anymore. I'd had enough. And I called President Wilkinson, told him everything. And I was like fully ready to get sent home. And he just, he listened. He let me cry. He let me just get it out. And there was no judgment in his voice. Like, like most bishops do, right? They, there was no um, animosity. He said, okay good job. Thanks for calling me. Write your stake president and your bishop or letter. Tell them everything that happened and then forget it and move on. And once that happened and once I was able to get that all cleared up, everything, it was like night and day. The work went better. We met people. We were, my mission, my companion and I, we got on the same page and it, it was to me that was like a turning point in my life because I could have just gave up and went home, right? And just said, I'm done, screw this. But I didn't, I stuck through it. And uh, it's probably the best thing I ever did to make sure I had the spirit with me for the rest of my mission because it would have been a miserable two years if I didn't. Um, that's probably the, the biggest thing for me to take away from that is just making sure I stayed worthy of the spirit so that I could find people. And if I didn't do that, I, I don't know what would have happened the rest of the two years. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. Thanks for sharing that. Right in line with 
what we've been counseled to do by President Nelson now, right? Like find the joy of daily repentance. Yep. Which we all, which I need every day, right? We all do. Yep. <laughs> so, um, let's see. One of the coolest things we did when I got to Strenrar, um, we went over to a place called Port Patrick, which is on the very west coast of the boot in the middle. On a clear day, you could actually see Ireland if, if it was clear. But we went over and we saw just the view from there over the ocean through everything was just, that was awe-inspiring to me because that just, I mean, the beauty of Scotland is like second to none in my opinion. Just the green and the, the hills and the openness once you get out of Edinburgh and Scotland or Edinburgh and Glasgow and how open it is is to me like i love being in the middle of nowhere with nobody i like to be there and if it were up to me we'd be in the middle of nowhere living in a house right now <laughs> <laughs> but uh just seeing that was just peaceful as well they actually did a uh, a rescue training show with some of the navy helicopters and stuff right off the coast that day. It was pretty fun. Wow. Have you been back uh, since? No, we were actually going to go two years ago for our 15th anniversary and then COVID hit and messed that up. Dang. No, I, I really want to go back so bad. I miss it. So We all miss it. That's why we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you guys are doing this because... I was talking to President Wilkinson a uh, couple of months ago, and he's like, who do you keep in contact with? And there's like a couple that I do. And it's, it's really sad that I don't keep in contact with more. I don't, I just like it's so busy. Yep. And we forget about the good stuff, right? We're so concentrated on getting our kids to the next event, going to work, and we get we forget the good times and that brought us joy that can still bring us joy. Right. Yeah. At least All that's the building it. blocks that, that led to where you're at now. Oh yeah, for sure. And I know for a fact that if I didn't go on my mission, my wife would not have married me because she said that flat out. I wouldn't even dated you if you didn't go on a mission. So I'm grateful that I went on a mission for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that being said, Charlie, is there anyone in particular as we move forward with this fun project that you'd be hard pressed if you didn't hear from them that you want to, you know, call them out, invite them to participate, um, you know, that. And then obviously once we get this out and published, you can share it with them so that they can hear it from your mouth. Uh, Dave Munson, my trainer for sure. I'd love to hear. He's had some. He had some good stories. <laughs> we were actually chapping one day, and we met. And this lady let her dog just run out the door, and then all of a sudden, I feel this big old pinch on the inside of my left leg, and the dog just flat out bit me. But luckily, she got the bottom of my garment leg, and so didn't break any of the skin. But President Wilson made me go to the. ER anyway to get a tetanus shot or something because he 
I was like, it didn't break skin. That doesn't matter. You need to go. <laughs> but he's got some good stories. Um, my one of my second to last companion, Monty Annika, he'd be fun to hear from him. But he's not on Facebook or anything, and I haven't been able to get a hold of him in a while. So I'd figure out how to get him involved. The, the then, beauty of this is that somebody listening has his contact and will well, get, get in number, touch. I have his phone number, but he won't return my calls or text anymore. It's kind of annoying. He's he's, he's Canadian. And then Mark McCormick, he's a let's see, he's oh one to oh three, so he'd have been he'd be a really early one. He's a cool guy. Um, you guys have he runs a company out here that does basketball hoops and hardwood floors called ADP Limco. Mm. It's pretty cool. They they put all the basketball hoops in the churches. If you look on the logo, it says, at least out here anyway, it says ADP Limco. On. He he played football at Utah, and halfway through the mission, he, got, he was sent home to have back surgery and then came back out. And so I met wow. him on my first – so – Elder Ben B. Banks came out to the mission like my second or third day on the mission. When, when I got there, we went to Glasgow, and then like the next day, we had to go back for the mission meeting. Tour. Banks, yeah, which was really cool. But and that's where I met him, and he's been a really cool, dude. So okay, cool. Sounds like a good crew. Anybody else that comes to mind? Or I there's a lot of guys that I could spout off. McKay Miller. He were he was in my mission group. Um, let's see who else. Um, Jonathan Erickson, one of my other companions. Elder Summer, one of my companions, the South African that lives in England. Oh, did you know Elder Sariado? Yeah, Kofi. Yes. Yeah, he's I I'm friends with him on Facebook. He's pretty cool. He still lives in England. He's he's on our future uh participants list so you will okay. hear from him for sure yeah i'd love to hear from him yeah those are the ones i can think of right now so that's great yeah, Charlie, so, go ahead thank you no we we really appreciate you taking time just to you know go down memory lane with us a little bit and Think about the the highs and the lows and the good times and some of the rough times. But you know, as as I've said before, and I'll say it a million times more, Scotland it was our refiner's fire. It was an opportunity for all of us to go through something that we couldn't have gone through anywhere else. And in such a beautiful place with amazing people, both within the mission as well as those that we served amongst and. Uh, so we really appreciate you taking time and we will certainly let you know as uh, we get this out that you can share it with those that uh, you have called out tonight and we'll do our best to continue to funnel this out amongst the masses until we get in touch with as many as we can. Yeah, so. that'd be fun. You should, you should get President Wilkinson on. That'd be fun. Hey, s send it over to him, you know, we, yeah. we'd be, we'd be happy to have him. Um, you know, obviously for me, I had no interaction with him. Um, Jack had a little bit before. Oh, no. President oh. Brain, that's right. So we both missed him. But, yeah, we'd love to have him on. And 
he can talk us uh, over uh, his time there. That'd be really cool. We actually yeah. do uh, every once in a while. One of the guys, um, he'll set up a Zoom call. We'll do small groups of like three or four of us, and we'll get on and talk to President Sister Vreens every once in a while. So, oh, really? That's yeah. Cool. How's Sister uh, Vreens and President Vreens doing? I I heard he was going downhill though. Yeah, we've heard a couple of conversation points from people who have seen them more recently. I don't know that it's been within the last year or two with everything that's been going on. Um, obviously, we've heard President Reigns is having some memory issues, but interestingly enough, he's still pretty crisp once in a while, so it kind of comes and goes. Um, Sister of Reigns, we understand, is kind of on the early stages of that too, but... Mm. From what I understand, she's still doing what she's she does best, and we have reached out to her. I'm going to call Sister Vrains out. Please return my phone call. I would like to make sure that we can uh, get you on here and and talk to you. And people would love to hear from you and President Vrains in whatever capacity you'd give us. So, yeah, I haven't talked to him or seen him in a few years, and I hate that. But it's been a while. But I've heard that. He's not doing that great, but maybe he's doing better than I thought. I hope anyway. Yeah, we all hope that. That's for sure. Well, Charlie, thanks again. We really appreciate you. And um, hopefully we'll connect with you in the future. One other thing that Jack and I have discussed is if you have companions that are feeling a little bit shy, we'd love to have you on as a guest co-host to make somebody feel a little bit more comfortable in the conversation and talking to someone they may know better than Jack and I. So we'd be more than happy to have you back in the future as well. Yeah. Anytime. Let me know. It's been fun. Awesome. For those of you listening, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to send us an email. The email address is S E M podcast at 51 spylaw.com. Or you can visit our website, 51spylaw.com, and fill out a contact sheet just the same. We would love to hear from you. Charlie, thanks again. Hope you have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Thanks, guys. Thanks. See ya. See ya.